Hi, this is Skip Lackey, and I was in the 1985 horror comedy film Once Bitten, and this is Chris and Scott with the Vampire Movie Minute podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Vampire Movie Minute podcast, where we talk about vampire movies of our choosing five minutes at a time, and we are now in minutes five through ten talking about 1979's edition of Dracula. We know there's been a lot. This is the one we chose, and it's actually the farthest back in time that we've gone for our vampire movies thus far. And last last time we spoke, uh, we had uh, problems with a ship that was about to run aground and uh, an asylum up in arms, and that's where we left off. So where do we find ourselves now, Chris? Lucy and Mina um, telling each other stories and the window crashing open. They live at the asylum. My notes say, what the fuck is that about? Yeah, and, and not just an asylum. I, I think it's it's pretty... The thing that's so weird to me is that just how chaotic... It, it's like everybody's just out, and they all look like paupers from a different century, like two centuries ago. It's very weird vibe. Yeah, <laughs> and this is supposed to be, by the way, the early 1900s, about around 1920. Yeah, that's where, that's where it's supposed to be taking place, but it doesn't it doesn't quite look like that. Well, they have motorized cars. Well, there you go. There's they have that. These things called motorized automobiles. Have you heard of this? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, okay, uh, yeah, I ride a motorcycle, so I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> the automobile industry about to, is about to be thrown into chaos in about, um, what is this, 22? About three years. GM announced that in 2025, they were no longer manufacturing gas-powered automobiles. There you go. Yep. Uh, we'll see if that's a good or bad thing. Not to get political, but we'll see if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> well, we'll, fi- we'll find out. It's mostly going to be just a matter of uh, can they get the parts for it, and that's going to be its own thing. Yeah, so uh, I don't think you can find the parts for any of these vehicles in this movie right now. Probably not, no. And this is also where we learn Mina is Van Helsing's daughter? What? Yeah, Mina Van Helsing, um, you know, comes from a long line of Van Helsing. What's uh, <laughs> that scene between uh, Winona Ryder and... Uh, Anthony Hopkins to some Game of Thrones level of interestingness, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. She I rips do know open her blouse, makes out with him, then shoves his head into a tent. It's it's a whole thing. It's probably the most sexual I have ever seen Mina in any of the movies. And I've seen every goddamn version of Dracula, let's face it. Well, I mean, until you get to just the straight boning movie of Dracula, then yeah. But in terms of like Mina being like hypersexualized. Yeah, it's going to be the 92 version. Oh, yeah, the 92 version is the is one of, like, while still being a, for, a, like, widely distributed motion picture, it is one of the horniest movies I've ever seen. Right. Doesn't Dracula turn into a beast and rape Lucy in his he, beast form? Yeah, if there's a lot, everything is built on sexual tension between everybody Right, Dracula and everybody. That's the right. sexual tension in that movie. It's, like there, there are moments where you're pretty sure Gary Oldman is about to make out with Keanu Reeves in that movie. It's so awesome. Which you kind of get, you know. But I mean, you have the bride of Dracula naked, and one of them bites, uh, you know, right, uh, Jonathan Harker right in the dick. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's one way to go. Yeah, basically. Um, so. Mina looks outside and sees... Okay, by the way, these five minutes then run through so fast. Because they do. It's, we go back to the asylum really quick. 
she gets the baby because the baby needs help because it's obviously the baby of a crazy woman. Yes. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Um, Mina, why does Mina go outside? She, she either hears or sees something. Um, I don't know. It's it's like implied that somehow she can see like they're the lighthouse and they can she can see the ship that's sinking somehow. I don't know. It's very loose, but she's just like, oh, okay, let's find. You know, she's like, oh, I see this ship is crashing. Should probably go check it out. Even though if the ship is crashing on the rocks, it's probably not the best time to be out in my neg- in my nighty. Yeah, like why does she go outside? It makes just, no sense. She sees the ship crash. Animal curiosity, I guess. That's the best thing I well, can yeah, offer. Yeah, then she chases after the wolf, and then she finds a guy. I'm assuming this is Dracula. Yeah, it's a very, it's so funny because you'd think that the big, you know, the traditional Dracula thing is to reveal that Dracula is not dead, is actually awake. And it's always based more around the eyes and the face. But the, we actually end these five minutes, and I know we're, we're speeding through it, but it's just like the There's moving, nothing else to talk about. <laughs> there's nothing left to talk about, but it's also, it's just the moving of a hand. That's it. Yeah. It, that's, that's, you, that's all we you see. Think this it's is so Dracula? Certain. I mean, did you watch the whole movie? Yeah. It just it's so it's such a weird scene. It's such a yeah, it's such a weird it's such a weird take. And it's and it's such a deliberate thing and uh we didn't get to him yet, but the what's so interesting to me is that the cinematographer for this movie, like the director is, is a competent director and the cinematographer is a legend. Like he's he's he's, he's the cinematographer behind Star Wars and the Omen. Like he's very yeah. good. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, I think, um, I, I mean, what, I, I, I was listening to the commentary briefly. Is, did he pass away after this? He passed, he, the cinematographer uh, passed away in 2013. So he, okay, he, all right, many at, years after this, okay. At the ripe old age of 99. So Whoa, he, he, holy cow. Yeah, so he lived, he lived, he lived a good life. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, and we're not introduced to anyone else in the scene other than Mina and Lucy, who we've already gone over, and a bunch of crazies in the asylum. We have Asylum Nurse, uncredited as Dan Meaden. Doesn't got much else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to say who the screenwriters are. W.D. W. Richter. Um, but Hamilton Dean and John L. Balthurston are credited as the play. Screenplay and then play. Yeah. Now, when they adapt Dracula, most of the time, they don't adapt it straight from the novel, even Francis Ford Coppola. They adapt it from the screenplay of the play because it's a lot easier to adapt than a bunch of diaries and letters that were written in the novel. Yeah, the, the, the style of the original novel doesn't lend itself to it. And also, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> this, is, this is just something I just know more tangentially. I'm not that well-versed in it, but it's like the... How do you explain, like, the Texan character? <laughs> right. By the way, the director of this movie, uh, sorry, the writer of this movie, the one I mentioned, W.D. Richter, he is the director of The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Yes, he is. And amazingly, he didn't write that one. No, he wrote Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, he wrote Big Trouble in Little China, uh, the very good Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake. The amazing Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Very good. Also something called Nickelodeon. Not the television network. <laughs> yeah, not the not the television network. Just a a movie called Nickelodeon. Uh, another one. I just think it's funny that he wrote a movie called Peeper. 
But wasn't isn't it a coincidence that movie came out in 1976 and Nickelodeon, the, the 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 television network for cable, launched in like the late 70s, early 80s with I you know like things like I you can't do that on television. I don't remember when they they 79. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, 79 is when you, I, Nickelodeon debuted. Wow. Also, the writer of Needful Things, which is getting a uh, long-awaited collector's edition Blu-ray uh, soon. Yeah, I mean, which I don't it, think it's a terrible movie. I, I know it's no, I mean, not one of the better of, King adaptations, but yeah, a lot of a lot of the movies that he on his list as a screenwriter are pretty good, <laughs> and then he just thus far it it could could come around again. You know, he's seventy six now, could come around again. But sadly, the last thing that he wrote is Stealth from two thousand and five. Uh. Like that's. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely the last thing Hollywood wanted to get. Wanted to, but before that, the last thing he wrote was Home for the Holidays, which is a Jonathan Taylor Thomas crappy. No, wrong nope. movie. I'm sorry. Nope. This, it, movie it, it, that movie Foster. is an acerbic, yeah. an acerbic holiday like Thanksgiving movie directed by Jerry Foster. Thursday in November, 84 million Americans will gather together on Wonder Why. This is the movie directed by Jodie Foster. I don't know yeah. anything about this film, actually. Oh, it stars Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it's Robert Downey Jr. It's actually stacked, but that one has Holly Hunter in the lead. It's just so. Is it good? <laughs> it's good. It's it's an acquired taste. It's, Claire Dane, Steve Gutenberg. I mean, you got the goot. You, you can't do much better than that. Uh, oh. Dylan McDermott and Bancroft. Claire Danes, the young Claire Danes, is in that. Wow, but hey, you know, speaking of movies that were failures at the box office, we are talking about one. <laughs> Oh, the Dracula? Dracula was a failure at the box office. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. It, it was a very long time for it to get the respect it deserved. Yeah, it, it's a very. It, it technically made money, but it's one of those ones where it's like after distribution and promotion and and all of that, it was probably very razor's edge. <laughs> it, it cost twelve million dollars to make. It made thirty-one million dollars. That's not a. That's not a. That's yeah. a profit, but that's that's barely a profit. You can also think about. Um, studio marketing was probably another three million. If that's not part of the twelve, yeah, yeah, thirty million dollars with a twelve million dollar budget is not exactly um, Jurassic Park or Jaws or Star Wars. No, yeah, you're definitely the caliber of talent in this film. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that's interesting I will say is when you look at box office figures from certain eras, which is like you know up into a point. Um, there's basically like the box office is not only that the numbers are smaller, but it's not there's almost it's almost always all domestic until but now it's like the reverse <laughs> where you're or grading you know movies that do well in america great but you're kind of grading on a curve because you're also grading on like what the international box office is so for instance like a you know a marvel movie might do pretty good here but then it might make a billion dollars overseas or something like that so if you ever wondered like oh how did we get another crappy terminator sequel even the last one was pretty good um that's why go on oh it's just that's why it's just because it'll be like oh why did they make something after terminator genesis and it's like oh it's because it made like a billion dollars mostly in russia what oh the biggest the biggest supporter of this movie is the guy you think would be the biggest like deterrent of this movie considering how badly he hates horror movies but dracula is its own different kind of horror movie roger ebert gave it three out of four stars he loves moody movies and to be fair he's uh, roger ebert also i think wrote a very horny movie so i think that makes sense 
Dracula was nominated in the Saturn Awards for Best Actor, Supporting Actor, Director, and Makeup in Lost Them All. Um, and it, won, it did win Best Horror Film, though. It did win Best Horror Film, yes. Um, it uh, it doesn't list that, though, on I, on uh, Wikipedia. It's Oh, never mind. Yes, it does. Sorry. It, I see where the line cuts off. Yeah, so it won Best Horror Movie. So congrats to that. But the other is lost. Uh, best Science Fiction Movie that year was Alien, of course. Best Fantasy Movie? Was the Muppet movie? I don't consider the Muppets to be fantasy, but they are talking socks. So yeah, sure. they are talking puppets, so I, I understand. Best actor. Oh, my fucking God. George fucking Hamilton beat Franklin Jella and Christopher fucking Lee. Look, we all make mistakes. I um, mean, George fucking Hamilton won... For Count Vladimir Dracula is love at first bite, but but beat Franklin Jella and Christopher Lee and Malcolm oh and Malcolm McDowell and William Shat okay it was Star Trek motion picture but Malcolm McDowell about to say Star Trek motion picture is not the one you would go to Shatner for <laughs> by the way do you know uh, who I recently had a pleasure of uh, sharing a lovely glass of wine with and talking. Uh, little flirting, but supposedly might come on my show. Oh, who's that? Uh, Laura Linney. Laura, 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 hold on. Oh, my God, I completely screwed up her name. I'm so sorry. Uh, it's right here. Lynn Lowry, excuse me. Oh, very nice. Yeah, she was actually in A Cat People with Malcolm McDowell. She's a prostitute that gets killed by McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, my God, Artie Johnson won for Love at First Bite for Renfield, but beat out Donald Pleasance as <laughs> fucking Dracula. Jesus Christ. Best director, Ridley Scott, beat out John Badham for Dracula for Alien. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> but serious? Oh, my God. The best fucking – Jesus Christ. The best fucking makeup was for Love at First Bite, again, beating out Peter Rob King for Dracula. Again, we, we all make mistakes. What the motherfuck? Most popular international performance award went to Roger Moore, probably for one of the Bond movies. Probably. Lifetime career award went to William Shatner and Gene Roddenberry, by the way. So Roddenberry, so so Shatner lost for Star Trek, but he got the lifetime career award from the Saturn people. There you go. I mean, oh my God, what what else is gonna hurt me? Uh, let's see here. I, I would stop digging. You've already no, hit no, bottom. No, I want to punish myself. I like hurting myself. Uh. John Pierre. Hey, that's, that's a different podcast. Okay, John Pierre Dorliac won for Buck Rogers of the 25th Century for best costumes, beating out Battlestar Galactica, Nosferatu, Star Trek, and Time After Time, which is shocking because Time After Time was that Christopher Reeves movie between his Superman gigs. Best writing went to Time After Time, beating out Alien, The Black Hole, Love at First Sight, and the Muppet movie. That's a really yeah. good movie, actually. I, guess I, I like Time that. After Time. Best supporting actress went to Veronica Cartwright for Alien, beating out. Pamela uh, Hensley for Buck Rogers, Jonathan Hyde for The Dark, um, the t- the day time ended. I don't, I'm not feeling like that was, but Veronica Cartwright beat Nichelle Nichols for Star Trek. Huh. Uh, Mary Steenburgen won for Time After Time again, beating out Sigourney Weaver in Alien, Margot Kidder in the Amityville Horror. Wow, it's a big name. Susan St. James from Love at First Bite. Fuck you, Love at First Bite, and Paris Cabiata. Um, oh, she was the ball chick in, in Star Trek. Gotcha. 
Best foreign film, I don't know any of these except for Nosferatu the Vampire, which is the movie starring Klaus Kinski. Um, and again, best fantasy film was the Muppet movie being out four films I've never heard of in my life. But Alien, by the way, beat out the Black Hole, Moonraker. <laughs> not very, let's just say it didn't have a lot of competition that year. The Black Hole, Moonraker, Star Trek The Motion Picture, and Time After Time. So its only competition was Time After Time. Because let's face it, Moonraker is not great, and The Black Hole took a long time for it to get the respect it deserved. Because that is a really good movie. Yeah. But Dracula beat out one big contender on this list, the Amityville Horror and Phantasm. Sorry, two big contenders. I mean, the, the old Amityville Horror isn't very good. Uh, it's hit or miss for me, but the but Phantasm is fucking great. Phantasm is very good. Yes. Um, so that's the ninth annual Saturn Awards. Um, I, I cannot believe how much love at first fight won, so fuck this. <laughs> I've been doing this yeah. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to see anybody who even knows that movie now. Tune in two weeks for the next exciting five minutes. Minutes five to ten. Uh, sorry, ten to fifteen. Scott, where can people find us? Yeah, if this revelation hasn't broken you, we'll 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 be back. Where can people find us? Oh yeah, we are the Vampire Minute on Twitter and the Vampire Movie Minute on Facebook. And don't forget, you can also pick up copies of Dracula, uh, Vlada, a Dracula Tale, my own interpretation of Dracula, uh, where we gender swap the cast of Dracula. Uh, Scott has read it. It's good. Check it Scott out. should leave a review on Amazon if he really loves it a lot. <laughs> Vlada Chronicles of the Damned is a comic book tie-in. Vlada Tales of the Damned is an anthology tie-in. So please check those out and feel free to contact me to order them. You can email us at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with another exciting episode of the Vampire Movie Minute podcast.